following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So we started a new message series last week called How to Read the Bible Like a Christian. And uh, I admitted last week it's a completely preposterous title. Um, It was kind of a fun one for some other reasons. But we talked last week about how how Jesus used the Scriptures, that is the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and how that can be a model for us and how we use and read and apply Scripture today. And this week was supposed to be a sermon uh, continuing that theme, uh, but talking about how the Apostle Paul used Scripture in his ministry and in uh, his letters. Uh, And it even says that in your bulletins, that's what we're going to be talking about today. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. And the reason is that no matter how hard I tried this week to write that sermon, even though in my mind it was about a third written when I designed the series weeks ago. And usually when that's the case, I can write a sermon pretty pretty, uh, quickly and easily. It would not come out this week. I sat down many times, tried to write the sermon, and I couldn't get it done. And I think that perhaps the reason is because we're not supposed to talk about that today. All I could think about all week long was the violence in Orlando last Sunday, late Saturday, early Sunday morning, in an LGBT nightclub called Pulse. And how 50 precious souls made in the image of God had been lost in just a span of a few hours. And last week, I, I hadn't checked the news in the morning. I had, I had no idea it had happened until 10 minutes into our first service when Elliot t- texted me from the tech loft. I think he must have been multitasking. <laughs> and told me that this had happened, and I thought, my God. And so uh, all I could do, all I did anyway, I probably could have done more, all I did last week was scramble to, to pray a pastoral prayer um, in our services. But as I listened this week, day after day after day, to the grief and fear, especially the fear being expressed by many of my friends, people known to me personally, as well as national leaders in the church and outside the church. Particularly, not exclusively, but particularly the grief and fear of my LGBTQ friends. My heart just kept breaking and breaking and breaking. Especially because one of the recurring themes of their lament was that for LGBT Christians, and there's a lot of them, as you'll hear in a minute, for them, the pain and the grief and the fear that they experience has no safe outlet for expression within the church. And so what I realized we needed to do today, and I had no idea what it would look like. After the first service, I think I, think I know now what it will look like, and it was a beautiful, beautiful first service. But what I, what I realized we needed to do was make some space in our church today for the expression of grief and fear and lament 
And so we'll, we'll do that in two ways. Um, the, I want, I'm going to start off in a minute by reading something to you written by a gay Christian and her experience and her perspective, which I think is very illuminating. We did this two summers ago um, in response to Ferguson. And uh, the sermon, I canceled everything that day, and the sermon consisted of me reading three blog posts by African-American mothers who were so utterly shocked and terrified and dismayed over what had happened that we needed to give voice to that, particularly in our majority, primarily majority culture. I think the same thing needs to happen right now because we need to hear from LGBTQ Christians in response to this. And so I'm going to read that to you. At at a minimum, I'll read you the one because I think it sets the table very nicely. But then what I want to do is allow space for some of you in the room, if you wish, to express your own lament and fear and grief, particularly if you are gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender. Now, I don't, I don't intend to call anybody out. I'm obviously not going to do that. But anybody who would like to, especially if you're LGBTQ or if you have someone very close to you who is, I know that your pain is deeper and more closely felt than the rest of us. And so if you want to say something to express that in this place, you will have opportunity and time and, and certainly permission to do that. If nobody wants to share out loud, that is okay. I have another blog post I printed out that I can read, and it's also really good. And then after we've done that, we're going to sing a song together which, before we go to communion, which is, I think, such a perfect song for us as artisan church and what we need to be doing um, <clears throat> better, what we, what we need to be doing better. So the first thing I want to do is read to you this article um, written by Julie Rogers. Some of you know who Julie Rogers is. She is uh, brilliant. She's a lesbian. She was the chaplain at Wheaton College for a time and had a difficult time there. And then when she came out to publicly affirm uh, same-sex relationships, uh, she was no longer the chaplain at Wheaton College anymore. And uh, she's very, very gracious and very bright and wonderful. And what she wrote, I thought, was um, important for us to hear. Now, what she, part of the purpose of this article was to send people out with links to other articles. And so you'll get a little bit of that. Obviously, we can't experience the fullness of that right now. But you can find her blog at julie-rogers with a D in, in Rogers, um, dot com. And uh, I encourage you to go read it and read some of the other stuff that she's written. It's, she is such a wonderful voice in the church today. And if you haven't heard her, you're about to. Okay. <clears throat> Here's what Julie Rogers says. Just when LGBT people started to feel safe to be out and open in public, Our community was targeted for the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. And within hours of learning about the massacre at Pulse, we heard 
A man from Indiana was arrested on his way to L.A. Pride with three assault rifles and chemicals that could create an explosion. We are scared. We are overwhelmed with grief. And when we LGBT Christians have most needed support from our churches, we've watched our leaders remain largely silent. Some briefly stated that they're praying for Orlando, but few have publicly named the significance of the shooter targeting gay people, specifically queer people of color. So here are some scattered, link roundup-ish thoughts to help you better understand what we're feeling. Hopefully more understanding will lead to the kind of change that can bring healing. Rather than fighting and dividing over our differences, this is a time to come together to lament. It's a time to grieve the human beings whose lives were cut short. Watch the beautiful tribute to the victims by Anderson Cooper, who said, They are more than a list of names. They are people who are loved, who loved, and who were loved. It's hard to explain the sense of safety we have felt in queer spaces. Whether it's in gay Bible studies, nightclubs, or rugby leagues, queer spaces have provided a place for us to exhale, to drop our filters, to stop code switching and monitoring whether the people around us think we're gross. Roderick Greer shared about the familiarity and warmth he feels in black churches and gay bars, which he described as a sanctuary for people who are subjected to violence and discrimination on a regular basis. Richard Kim said they're homes for folks without families, which includes many LGBT people, since family members often grow distant when we come out. The anxiety around the violence was exacerbated by the fact that it happened in one of the few places that felt safe for so many. I've been sad to see the silence or qualified condolences from conservative Christian leaders. You do not have to support same-sex marriage to fight for safety and protection for human beings made in the image of God. Your solidarity will not be taken as theological agreement. And it's hard for me to understand how grieving the death of 50 beautiful people can feel complicated for a Christian. It's always right to grieve with those who are grieving. We've heard your outrage over Target, Chick-fil-A, and the bathroom bills. Where is your outrage when LGBT people are slaughtered? Matthew Vines offered some suggestions for Christian leaders in time yesterday. Here's a snippet, but the whole thing is worth reading. And here she's quoting Matthew Vines. It didn't help that we were faced with the news of the slaughter on a Sunday, a day that already serves as a reminder of how unwelcome we are in most traditional sanctuaries. For the nearly 50% of LGBT Americans who are Christians, as I am, it, is, it only compounded the pain to have our faith leaders either ignore the massacre, qualify their condolences in ways they never would for other victims, or simply omit the fact that LGBT people were targeted for death because of who they are. Churches will be marked in the LGBT community for years to come by how they respond to us in this moment. Please do all you can to let that mark be one of unconditional love. End quote. Julie Rogers continues, I'm thankful for Christian leaders who have spoken up to show support. Some have done so with sincerity and love. I want to encourage you to go further by understanding how the church's treatment of LGBT people has helped create this kind of culture. Rachel Held Evans explained some of our angst on her Facebook page yesterday, and Jen Hatmaker did the same today. 
I encourage you to read both of those to better understand more of the context around our grief. My hope is that understanding will bring repentance and repentance will lead to reconciliation. As a gay Christian who's devoted my life to following Jesus and serving the church, I desperately want to see us grow. I want to see grace and forgiveness and restored relationships. Repentance will pave the way to restoration. Over the years, many straight Christians have asked me how they can love their LGBT neighbors. My response is usually the same way you love any neighbor. We show up for one another. We cook meals, share stories, and catch a fresh vision for the world through one another's eyes. Love grows in relationships, and the best way to support us is to show up, listen, and lament. There are prayer vigils happening all over the country, and I hope you'll join us to seek the Lord alongside us. Finally, I know many Christians are eager to show compassion. I see many of you trying to support us, and I know it can be hard to figure it out when some of us seem hurt or angry regardless of how you respond. There's a lot of pain for LGBT people when it comes to our relationship with the church, and part of your role might be to absorb some of that pain. Healing happens in relationship, and I would ask that you be patient with us as we grieve. I know many of my LGBT friends and I have tried to be patient with the church. So, when I read that, my eyes were opened a little bit wider. And this is a, this is a, a conversation that's not unfamiliar to me. I've, I felt like I'm pretty aware of how things have been going over the last few years. And still that that article helped me see it a little bit better and a little bit more deeply. And so what I want to do next is um, allow any of you in the room who would like to, to, to share your own sense of grief and pain and fear and lament, if you wish. And as I said, nobody has to do that. We have other options, and if, if that's the way we go, that's okay. But know this, I'm going to shut my microphone off. All the microphones uh, that would be recording audio right now will be shut off. And so anything you say out loud will be confined to this space right now. Um, we probably will podcast the, the, the part you've just experienced and the, maybe the song afterwards where we sing together. But this is sacred space right now for us together. And so don't be um, concerned about that side of things. So, if there's anyone who'd like to share, the floor is open for the next few minutes. And to that, I would add this, because I want to transition us into the next moment of our service, which is that um, for many of us in the room, it's easier to say, let's focus on love rather than fear than for others in the room. And for those of us who are in a place of, uh, it's an overused word, but it fits, in a place of privilege, I think it is part of our duty to make safe spaces for people who don't have such easy access to security and to the absence of fear I actually want us to sing a song together because so often um, music says says things in a way that words 
can't. Um, this is a song that I think we have done at Artisan one time before, but it's very likely that you weren't here when that happened. So, um, I'm going to ask you to uh, stand if you're able, because I want to I want to teach you the chorus of this song. And it's a, the chorus is, uh, you need to sing it in full voice, which, so let's stand together. This, this, I think, can be a prayer for, for who we're going to be as a church. So we'll sing, I'm going to sing the chorus once, and then a, a second time, and you can sing it the second time, and then we'll sing the whole song together, okay? <laughs> May your love cause us to open up, cause us to open Let me shine light and may your love cause us to open up, cause us to open up our hearts. May your light cause us to shine so
us the courage to give as your calling make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred let me Darkness, let me shine light and admonitions about communion in the scriptures concerns people who are so eager to get to the table that they elbow others out of the way. When you come to communion today, I'm going to ask you to come only to one side of the table or the other at a time, rather than doubling up. It's going to take us twice as long 
to celebrate Holy Communion today. Because I want you to look and see that empty space there. And I want us to ask, who is being elbowed away from the grace of Jesus Christ by our rhetoric, by our theology, by our postures, and by our attitudes. And I want that to break your heart the way it's breaking mine right now. I want us to shed some tears over that. We have an open table. Anybody who's seeking Jesus in this place can find him here and is invited to do so. Also, we'll have a member of the prayer team here who would be happy to pray with you in person if you'd like that. We are going to observe communion together. Now, the table is open. Come to Jesus. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.